Okay, I trust that uh, everyone had a great New Year celebration. It is good to turn the leaf uh, over. Um, thank you so much for uh, gathering with us on the Lord's Day. Uh, and so let's do this. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn uh, to Matthew 11. And what we're going to do today is we're going to read uh, all of verses 25 through 30. And in a custom here at uh, Redstone, uh, you can follow uh, that in the worship guide. And then after the reading of God's word, we will say what is in bold uh, there in your worship guide. So this is the word of God. Matthew 11 verse 25 says, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the, the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we say together, for all flesh, flowers of the field, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Lord of the Lord stands forever. Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So as uh, most of you uh, know in here, uh, in the year 2021, our church gave me an amazing gift. It was called sabbatical. And so all of August and September and October, um, I did nothing but literally read my Bible and pray. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. Um, now, in reflection of those three months, um, I filled up many, many pages in a journal. And so, hundreds of journal entries and hundreds of pages worth of prayers and were just right here. So, I bought a special notebook and I even bought a special pen just to think about and be able to dialogue with myself in the future years about what the Lord was going to do in this three months of anticipation. Sabbatical was simply a time for the, a, a leader, a pastoral leader like me, just to take off and just kind of recalibrate and to think about what was real to me and what was true, and then also to have some kind of vision for us in the future. And it was wonderful, and it was truly restful. In those early journal entries, though, I stumble across some themes that were really amazing. It's been five months since I started on August 1st. And rereading those early journal entries really is amazing. Because I didn't know what the Lord was about to do. I was just speaking and praying in ignorance, right? And in those early uh, um, entry, uh, entries, there's some things that piqued my interest. Uh, first and foremost is that I love to work. And it was really hard for me to stop work. And so all of these just, just pleased to the Lord and all of these like just moments of anxiety because I wasn't doing anything that I was accustomed to. There were other journal entries about sunrises over a mountain because I had just stopped maybe for the first time and actually seen things like colors and what the break of day actually looks like. It was really amazing times where I was grappling with the Lord 
Like, what am I supposed to do or what shouldn't I do? But the thing that was the most interesting to me was this dialogue between myself and the Lord about this unnecessary moment of rest in my life. Where, yeah, I was on sabbatical, but I was a pretty healthy person. And so this is, this, what I was experiencing was more of, you know, a a recommendation by our elders, or maybe it was a moment of a healthy church giving a healthy pastor something, but it wasn't something that I really needed. It was nice, right? And it was a great gesture from the elders, but it really wasn't needed or even necessary. And so you can hear in these early journal entries this, this grapple with, what am I even doing here? Or what in the world is this thing called rest? Along with those dialogues, there was something else that was happening to me physically. Um, with a lot of time on your hands, I don't know why this is, but you drift off to sleep. And so I found myself, I think four or five, maybe six days in a row, I would nap in the middle of the day. And after those naps, or after a good night's sleep, something was happening to me physically. I would wake up in a panic. So the first moment that I would awaken either from a nap or a great night's sleep, there was a rush of adrenaline through my body. Do you know that, uh, that feeling you get when you get caught doing something wrong? You know, that, right? Just that little moment of startle or that realization. That's the best way that I can, figure, you know, can, can explain it. But this rush of adrenaline was something that was happening in my body that I was actually repelling this idea of rest. Or maybe that I didn't deserve it altogether. Obviously, rest is not something that was just a nicety or a recommendation from our elders. It is absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary. Now, after Advent every year, we take the first four weeks of the year, a brand new year, and we do, we walk into what we call spiritual disciplines. If you've been around the room for more than three or four or five years, you know that every January we stop. And we take this thing called a spiritual discipline. If you're unfamiliar with that term, a spiritual discipline is, is an exercise that plods the people of God toward God. And so these disciplines are prayer and fasting and Bible reading or silence and solitude. And year after year, we we bring one of those or maybe a couple of those to your attention. Well, this year, if you travel with us for the entire month, we're going to be talking about this idea of rest as a spiritual discipline. So it's less of a nicety and more of a necessity. And so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to pause and we're going to use one passage of scripture, Matthew 11. We're going to look and I'm going to share with you my journal entries. I'm going to uh, often reference this, this book called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. You can pick it up. Um, I can even get you a copy if you want. Also, in the month of January, we're going to actually workshop this thing. And so it's not like that today, but next week our our vision is potentially having you guys around round tables so that we can dialogue with this idea of rest. Because I think that we get a lot of things wrong. I think you are likely where I was on on August 1st, where what what we understood about rest was entirely 
unbiblical, maybe. So class, before we get started, before we actually dive in to Matthew 11, when you hear the word rest, what comes to mind? What are some of the words that come to mind when you think about rest? Say it. Sleep, thanks. Which is true. What? Stop. Very good. Distraction. Ah, the opposite of. All right. So there's distractions. There's sleep. It's rest. Peace. That's good. Yes, but peace. Okay. Very good. Huh? Hammocks. That's a camp guy if I've ever heard one. That's right. Keep going. What do you, when you think about rest, what do you think about? Sabbath. All right. Just this idea of a biblical stopping, ceasing. Quiet. Very good. What's that? Just to stop. What is rest? Good. So biblically, what is rest? What we think about rest and what is, what is described in the Bible may be similar, right? And so right now we're just going to try to recalibrate. For the entire month, we're just going to try to recalibrate and see what does the Bible say about rest? What does it say? All right, so Matthew 11. I think it's going to come. Maybe not. Ah, there it is. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All right, so this is the one verse we're going to be talking about. The, the whole pericope is 25 through 30, right? We'll talk through all of that throughout the month. But today, it's really just this one verse, and that's enough for us. And so at the end of class today, I'm going to ask if this is the only passage of Scripture that we had at our disposal. What would we learn about God? What would we learn about ourselves? And what are some things that are required of us? But right here, come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is what we need to understand about what biblical rest is. I don't know why my clicker is... All right, so Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this. First and foremost is simply this idea of come. This is, before you know anything about rest, this is an invitation to God's people. Hey, you, if you follow me, if you're a follower of Jesus, one thing that you need to know biblically is that it's an invitation for you to come. And we love invitations, right? When's the last time you got invited to something cool or amazing? It's great, right? This, this anticipation of something that could happen. Or when's the last time you just heard on the other end of the phone, hey, do you want to grab coffee? Like, yeah, that sounds great. Or, hey, I've got two extra tickets to whatever it is. And yeah, I'll go. Or maybe it's an invitation, hey, can you come help me with this project? Or maybe it's even more like, like seismic of do you want this job? Whatever it is, this idea of invitation has a sense of excitement about it because there's something on the other end of that invitation that will likely benefit you. See, for me, I saw rest in the category of people that were lazy or people that were you know, just, you know, that didn't love work or whatever. I had rest in that category. I never put rest in the category of excitement or even invitation. But invitations are amazing. Think 
about your Christmas cards that you received over Christmas. You got the envelope and you knew that it was addressed to you and you knew who it was coming from, but you did not know the contents inside. And you just rip it up, rip it open, and you want to look and see just that wonderful portrait of whoever just sent that to you. And that's just the kind of spark of what an invitation can do. And so every invitation is a powerful tool of persuasion. So the first thing that we need you to know is the Lord is inviting you into what he would consider is very important. And it's this idea of rest. This idea that this is very, very important to us. The other thing that you need to know is that invitations need to be accepted, right? So yes, it's come, right? There is an invitation, but you have to actually do something with the invitation. If you never respond to the invitation or if you never open the envelope, you never are able to have the opportunity to do that. And so for the invitation to work, there must be a recipient who agrees to the invite. And that's where I was on sabbatical, at least the beginning of it is that I had this invitation to walk into this thing and for whatever reason, I rejected it. Or I didn't think that it was necessary or it wasn't for me. And as the days turned into months and months turned into a full season, I kept coming back to this simple passage and seeing and actually hearing our Savior, my Savior, inviting me into something real or much bigger than myself. The category that I had rest in was probably more like the sleeping Saturday afternoon watching football kind of category. I'd never seen it as a truly spiritual endeavor that if I negated from my life, I would actually suffer. Are you a workaholic? Do you ever slow down? When's the last time you stopped? What, when was the last time you stopped on purpose? That's more of the invitation is that there's something on the other end of the invitation that is so rich and exciting, but you will never be able to see it unless you slow down, whoever said that, and and look at Jesus himself. The first graphic for this sermon series was was not a, a nice placid lake and a mountain. In fact, it was just this word rest that was splotted all over the place to create this idea of a dizzying effect because that's what our life is like. If the hero of this sermon series is rest, and actually Jesus, who is the author of this rest, you also must understand that there's a villain. And the villain is what Miss Karen has already said, is this idea of busyness, or this idea of heavy laden. What are you gonna do with a hero, or what are you going to do with a villain? Whatever it is, we're gonna have to think about that. So this invitation must be accepted, but it can also be declined. You can also say to yourself, it's not that important. It's actually kind of silly to slow down and to do nothing. But I want to say that when we actually do it with the person and work of Jesus in front of us, it can be some of the most enriching 
things in the world. When's the last time you stopped? When's the last time you biblically stopped to rest in the Lord? And if it's been a long time, then you have rejected this invitation given to, to you by our Savior. And those are hard words to hear. The fact that you are a part of an equation and you're actually rejecting something that the Lord sees as important. So this first idea of understanding biblically what rest is, you need to understand that it is first and foremost an invitation. Okay? It's an invitation. Number two. Two more words. Come to me. Seems simple, right? But an invitation to a UT football game, right? And this type of invitation are drastically different. This type of invitation was sent to you by God himself. And so this invitation to walk into rest, to walk in, is nothing more than a relationship. And so is sleep and rest and stopping and all of those synonyms, are they correct? Yes. But first and foremost, after the invitation is that biblical rest is personal. And biblical rest is in between you and the Savior of your soul. So the point number two is not just an invitation which is more tactile and black and white. Now the invitation takes on flesh and cannot be received without Jesus Christ. You cannot understand rest without walking into a relationship, a daily relationship and dependency on Jesus himself. It sounds simple, but let's take the question a step further. When's the last time you stopped? When's the last time you spent a day and truly rested? Now let's take it a step further, in the Lord. That's harder. The first one we were probably all striking out with. Now number two, stopping, ceasing, right? To rest in the Lord. Now most of us are all striking out at this idea of what rest actually is. And yet, fundamentally, it's a simple invitation to come to Jesus. So true biblical rest is first and foremost personal. This idea to come to Jesus. And Jesus has open arms and he loves to take his kids in. You and I make rest or we make Sabbath into a law that needs to be, you know, done or not done, accepted or broken. Jesus is just saying, come to me. Come to me. It's very personal. It's very personal. So it's an invitation, right? That's personal. It involves Jesus. And Jesus is the only one that can bring you rest. I know what you're saying at this point in the sermon, I'm sure is that my organization or the, 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 the company that I work for would never give me three months off to go pray and read my Bible, right? That's true. Very few of you will be able to just take off three months and simply be with the Lord. So that's unfair. So what I'm speaking to, right, is I know is a different type of context. And yet what this command is, is not a three-month sabbatical. 
What biblical rest is, is something that you and I can do. And it's less about solitude and it's less about silence. And it's actually this idea of rest happens in the most chaotic moments of your life. Because the heaviness of life, right, and the burdens of life, you can actually be co-equaled with this idea of biblical rest. Because it's found in the person of Jesus. Is sleep important? Right. Is ceasing important? Yes. But this idea of intersecting Jesus in the chaotic or the hectic moment of your life is absolutely essential. I used to have an old mentor of mine that would ask the worst question in the world. We would be having this conversation and I would be asking his advice and it would go on and on. He would ask these questions and at the end, he would simply say, Spencer, so what did the Lord say? I'm like, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. You're supposed to be able to tell me the stuff, right? And he would just simply lean in and say, what did the Lord say? Because he knew Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He knew that what I needed was less an answer, a right answer, and more a personal relationship with the Lord that co-mingled this idea of hecticness and this idea of rest that comes in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus on the cross simply said, it is finished. And in that moment, of that gospel moment, he relinquished all control into full dependency on the Lord, his Father, fully and completely. It's an invitation that's personal and something that that can happen in the day-to-day reality. And so the next time you look at just the craziness of life, and it's crazy, isn't it? Have you been on hold lately with somebody or have you had something that you bought not work or, you know, a boss at at work that's driving you crazy or traffic or COVID or just, you just name it. This world, I mean, it's, it will, it will drive you bonkers. And here in just these three little words is an invitation that's personal to bring Jesus and bring a quality that he is able to provide to you into the laborsome and the heavy things of life. And it's him and him only. He will meet you where the heart is. It's personal because it comes with Jesus. And then lastly, right? Come. It's an invitation. It's personal to me. To all you who labor right? All you who labor and are heavy laden. This is extended universally because it starts with the word all. This invitation is extended universally, but it's also extended to those of you who are weary. The last two years, right, have been the hardest two years of of my life from a leadership standpoint. I feel just the tension everywhere I go. If I just looked at us as a society, I would just say that we're tired. (laughs) Or we're, I mean, we're just worn out. Or we're just mad. Or we're bitter. Or we're angry. It's an invitation that's personal, but it's universally cast to all of us 
to say, if you find yourself tired, guess what? You've come to the right spot. You've come to a place where we can quiet our spirit and we can quiet our life and we can actually bring purpose to what the 24 hours that make up every single day and that's simply and fully the person and work of Jesus. Because he says, I will give you rest. That's the whole point of the entire month. I want you to show up all month. I want us to do this together. But the point of this entire month is if you are looking for rest or if you're trying to battle this idea of fatigue and busyness and laborsome and work and bosses and the grind and over and over, guess what? We have the answers. And the answer is not in sleep or tickets or, you know, camaraderie or just, you know, holidays or festivals. It's in the person of Jesus fully and completely. It's extended universally to all of us and all of us might be weary. So before we get into some discussion, where are you turning for relief? We know the answers, class, right? It's, it's always Jesus. Sunday school classes, it's always Jesus. But let's be honest, where are you turning? So you're tired, you're miserable, you're bitter, you're in pain, whatever it is, you hate your job, where do you turn? And more often than us, more often than not, we all turn to entertainment or substances or relationships and we forego Matthew 8 uh, 11, 28 that says simply where we should turn starts and stops with Jesus the entire Christian um, experience is this invitation of repent and believe to drop your nets and follow me this idea of invitation and obedience. And so over and over, this rhythm of stopping and starting always, always has the person and work of Jesus at its center and its core. Do you know that there's a big difference between Christianity or Christendom and Christ? Christianity or Christendom is a structure. Those are places, those are things, those are even people or ideals or doctrines or statement of faith. Those are movements. But you can do all of those things and miss the actual point of the gospel is a real and a true relationship with the person of Jesus. It's, Jesus isn't necessarily throwing off all the structures. He says, you just can't forget about me. I think you're tired. And I actually think you're more bitter than you think you are. And I think that you have this resentment or frustration that might be bubbling up inside of you. And if that's true of you this month, we would encourage you to keep coming back to class. Keep coming back to these lectures. Keep coming back to the people of God and let's discuss how we're going to get out of the wilderness of fatigue and frustration together. 
And the answer, first and foremost, is through the person and work of Jesus. So here, this is, where the, this, will, this is where it will get fun, okay? All right. So in this one verse, what, what do you see or what do you learn about God? This is just Bible study 101. So what do you see? What do you see about God? Number two, you know, what do you learn about yourselves in this passage? Right. And number three, is there anything required? That's a strong word. I debated on whether even to use the word required, but because obedience is so strong in the Great Commission, I went ahead and left it rather than just like, you know, a softer word. So number one, what do you learn about God? Number two, what did you learn about yourself? And number three, what is being required? All right, so class, this is what I want you to do. Take your worship guide, take a pen, stare at the screen or stare at your, your scriptures and just look at this one verse of scripture. If everything was thrown away, right, and all you had was this scrap of Matthew eleven twenty eight, what would you know about God, yourself, and is anything required? So take a few minutes, right, and answer those questions. Internally, write them down because guess what? You're going to be called on. And if you get real, real quiet, I'll just start pointing and, and calling you out. Michael. All right. Take some time. What do you see about God? Who is he? His character, his worth, his value. Do you see strength? Do you see tenderness? Like who is God? What has Christ done for you? I'm a linear thought, so in all three of these categories, I just put some bullet points. You're just kind of writing down just, all right, what am I learning about who Christ is? What am I learning about who God is in this first category? Okay, so you have 16 words at your disposal. What do you learn about who God is, who Christ is, the position, the power of who Christ is in this one verse? All right, class. So who is God? What did you learn about him? He is approachable. Very good. So there's a universal truth is he's able to handle all of us and cast the invitation to us all. Great. <laughs> okay. So you know this idea of condescension, right? This idea of coming down. The very fact that there is an invitation should startle us. Who are we that you would consider us? Okay. So that's very good. 
Okay, come on. Do you hear that? He recognizes our labor. So he, he, yeah, so we, we I mean, all for an entire month of Advent, we talk about God with us. This idea of a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, right? This idea that he's not unaware of the fact that life is hard and it's messy and he recognizes us there. That's great, dude. Thank you. Okay, so the source. So who's going to give this thing that we so want and desire is this idea of rest and peace? Well, he has to be the source. Meaning, the flip side is, if, if we're resting or we're wanting another source to provide that rest, it will never happen. So when we talk about gospel-centered ministry, the source or the power or the impetus is always God himself. Good. Thank you, Bruce. Oh, we got a fist fight. Hang on, ladies first. Okay, it's a gift. It's free. Hey, y'all, have it, right? I know it's hard. Here, take it. All right. Yeah. He doesn't want us miserable. I mean, have you, I mean, you've been on call two, three days in a row. Like, what, what's what's a really bad shift? All right. So for twenty-four hours, you never close your eyeballs, right? And you're propping up against the vending machine, like trying to, like, like we can, whatever. Like that's no fun. At hour 22 and 3, 24, you're just hanging on, right? So that's very, very good. Good. He knows what we need. Yep. Very good. I like the wings. He's sympathizing with us. Good. Keep going. One more sentence worth because that's amazing. That's right. That's right. So these personal pronouns. Now, if, and, and if we were able to extend the full context of 25 through 30, and all we did was circle the personal pronouns assigned to God and then assigned to us, we would be blown away at this source of this personal point of what he's able to offer us. Very good. Keep going. Just a couple more. He's drawn to us. So are you tired this morning? And if you are, it's okay. The Lord wants to meet you there. So often, many of us think that Christianity is the way that we approach God, is we've got to get ourselves all cleaned up and dusted off before we can approach God. It's the exact opposite. Those who are weary and discouraged and frustrated, that's where he's going to meet us. That's awesome. There you go. There you go. So the real moments of life, and he wants to join us in that responsibility. So wherever, whatever kind of table you're going to sit around tomorrow, he wants to join you there. Okay, question number two. Oh, is there one more? Well, it is a promise. Yep. I will never leave you or forsake you. All of the wills, musts, in the Bible are very important. Okay, number two, category number two. So what would you find out about yourself? All right, so you are limited. 
God is limitless, right? You're a punk. He's holy. I mean, all of these things. So what do you know about yourself here in category two? So take a few minutes and just jot down three, four things that you know about yourself or humanity or society uh, just by this, these 16 verses, 16 words. Okay, this is fun. I can tell the, your, your minds are really rolling here. Okay, so if this is all you knew about humanity, which is not, but if this is what you had to stab at who we are or who you are, what would you draw out of this one verse? Um, all right, so you are needy. Good, right? We, we are not, whoever said that was the source of all things, that's who God is. You know, we're, our cup is mostly empty and the Lord has to fill that, so that's great. Good, good. No rest apart from him. Phil. Hmm, going back to the personal part is we long to be accepted. We long to be in a relationship. So there's this longing or this tension in there. So very good. Okay. Yeah. So we are not alone, right? So this, this universal longing of our hearts to be at rest, and we think that we're the only one who feels this way, we're experiencing that, that's not true, right? We're all experiencing similar things. That's very good. Thanks, John. you hear that? We don't know ourselves the way God knows. We're Mr. Tough Guy. We got it all together. We don't need anything, right? That's how we would characterize ourselves. Have you ever drawn like an action figure of yourself? In your mind, it's pretty awesome, right? The Lord knows it maybe not be that. You know, who wants a five foot four superhero, right? Nobody. So we, God knows who we are. Keep going. This is good. We are proud, aren't we? So where are you gleaning that?
up. The Energizer Bunny, that's who we are. We're Americans. You know, we work for a living. Pull ourselves up and just go to work. I thought you were going to say She's like, no. Keep going, a couple more. So Bruce is saying we think that we have at our disposal our own sources and our own just even economic realities that we can do it ourselves. Uh, Bruce is always talking to us about this upside down kingdom. This is one of those upside down kingdom verses where God is the only source that will allow to give us ultimate rest. Okay, y'all may not have heard this, but he says we don't realize that rest is just as productive as actual the work that we do. That in our rest, we actually become productive. Um, I didn't didn't, uh, read any headlines for three months, and it was as if I knew what the world was like better. So I read less headlines, but I just kind of did more observing. And I felt like my wisdom actually ticked up in rest rather than just this Twitter bomb of always reading. All right. That's right. We often think that rest is the removal of all the things that make us mad or tick us off or is a drain on our life. But it's actually that God is actually joining us in those places, right? Okay, so what is required? And let's just do uh, popcorn of this. Just so what are some things that are actually being required of God's people? We have to go to him. Amen and amen. Let's call it a day. It is a choice. The invitation can't be rejected. Anybody burn out? This may be your reason. It may not be your boss. Ma'am? It does. It requires a response. Miss Kathy? Ma'am? So one of the requirements is to give up control. This idea that we are dependent, God is sovereign over all things. Good. Ooh, what? God is requiring communication and patience from his people. That's good. Thank you, Ashley. And humility. We're not as great, we're not as strong, we're not as rich. So Bruce is stepping on all kinds of toes. He says, maybe, just maybe we've bought into a lie that one hour on Sunday morning and maybe 15 minutes to an hour, if, even if you're a super saint, you spend an hour in the Lord every day, maybe we've bought into a lie that that's enough. 
when this verse has some kind of all-encompassing, dependent relationship with it. That in the weariness of life, that's where we cling to Jesus even more. Love your neighbors as we, as we, or love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So Daniel's saying is like we actually need to spend some time, maybe even the, a, positive, a positive view of this word, selfishly understanding who we are so that we can understand where we stray from him. Somebody else raise a hand. So Trinity says it's humility, but it's humility on his terms, looking at the other verses that are to follow. So class, this is, this is what we're going to get for a month. We're going to look at all of these verses, and we're going to actually go back up into it. And I have, I had um, my outline somewhere for what the, the next three weeks are, and I've, and I've lost it. Um, but yeah, for the next three, it won't be exactly the same, but we're going to be in this one chunk of Scripture and we're going to understand biblically the spiritual discipline of rest. So are you overworked or are you stressed out or are you weary or tired? And then where is your source of strength in those moments? I believe the Lord is calling us, right, because of my sabbatical and just, the, just where we are as a church, the Lord is calling us to teach us what it would mean to actually rest in the Lord to actually find our security in him and him alone. So I'm gonna pray for us. And then another invitation to us all is to approach God's table and talking about activity. God's table, right? This table of remembrance is seeing what he has done and what he has for us. So let's pray before we go around the table. Lord, you are our rest and you give it freely. And we thank you so very much for a passage like this, for us to be able to dialogue with you and with fellow believers to, to gain encouragement, Lord, that we need this thing. You want us to repent and believe. You want us to confess our shortcomings. And this morning, Lord, we're too quick to look at other things to satisfy us or to quench a thirst. Lord, I pray that as a people, as we start this year together, that God, that we would have you as our aim. Help us to fix our eyes on you. You're the great storyteller of our lives and you've stitched our lives together and you've made us intertwined with this group of people. Help us to do this well. We want to be found faithful. We want to be found as ones dependent on you fully and completely. I pray that as we go throughout this week, that your word continues to speak to us. Be vocal, be loud. Remind us of this rest that only you can give. And I also pray for a distaste in our own lives, a distaste for the things that the world has to offer. Help us to cling and to run to you often. And it's in your name we pray, amen.
So at the, from the beginning of our church, uh, we have come at the end of a sermon and we've approached the table of remembrance. Jesus says on the night that he was betrayed that he came and he took a piece of bread and he broke it and he says, this is my body given for you. And then he took a, piece, a cup and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so as the church 2,000 years later, we are to draw a line backwards to look at Jesus and to take this and, you know, in remembrance of him. And then we're also to look forward into the future until he returns. And so if you follow Jesus this morning, if you want to follow Jesus this morning, if you have a relationship with him, guess what? The only place that you will find rest, right, is in remembrance of what he has done for us. So the people of God, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Um, there are couples scattered around the room that will serve you. Um, these elements, these tables are open. And if you want to gather around in your family groups or community groups in prayer, uh, we encourage you to do that. So you are able to approach the tables now.